Hi, welcome to the Axe Church UK weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired and blessed by today's message. Enjoy. How many of you here um, are loving this season? How many of you here um, love spring? Can I see a show of hands if spring is like your favorite, favorite season, favorite season? Okay, okay, okay. I see some hands go down. Okay. Uh, how many of you are just loving spring, loving spring? Okay, just loving spring? Okay, praise God, more hands. Amen, amen. You know, I, I love spring. I really do. I really love spring. It is possibly one of my favorite seasons. Um, and uh, it's the complete opposite of uh, Pastor Cat. Pastor Cat loves winter. Where everything dies, you know, where no, <laughs> just where it's cold and the dead, then the nights are long, everything is dark. But that, that's her favorite season because she loves that temperature. Uh, I actually like spring. Uh, I know we are kind of like in spring, turning into spring. Uh, but spring, uh, my favorite part of spring is that sweet spot where, you know, right now we're getting a little bit more rain, but, but, but there's going to come a sweet spot where the, the rain's going to be a little bit less and there's going to be more shine, more sunshine, and, and, and it's going to be just this perfect balance. And, uh, uh, and I really love spring. And one of the reasons why my wife does not like spring, not only does she prefer winter, she hates spring. And, and the reason why she hates spring is because of hay fever. Hay fever. And, you know, hay fever, some of you, just in case you are not familiar, uh, it, you know, it, some people get it. Um, it is uh, your body's reaction to the pollens that have been released. Because, uh, like I said, when winter comes, uh, all the trees, all, the, 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 all of nature kind of like goes into hibernation mode. And then when spring happens, naturally, you know, things start to blossom again. Flowers come out again. Uh, but, but when everything comes out again, you know, a lot of pollens are also released uh, and are released into the air and are carried by different things. And for those of us who have hay fever, like my wife, when you get too much pollen into your system, your, your body reacts thinking that it's some sort of like viral attack. And so it will create like a fever to try to burn off, you know, all these kind of like microbes that have entered your body through your mouth or nostrils and etc. And recently, uh, we, we kind of had an interesting episode uh, because uh, we were hanging out at, at, at home and uh, she was, uh, you know, just spending time with, with, with the dog, her favourite. Uh, I'm not even the favourite, uh, the dog's the favourite. Uh, and uh, suddenly, as I was outside the living room, suddenly I, I heard her go like, oh, get the dog away from me. I'm thinking like, what, what happened? What happened? And then she said that, oh, I suddenly realised, because she said that as I was petting the dog and spending time the dog, she felt like her nose get more and more stuffed and her eyes get more and more watery. And then she realized that, hey, pollen is not only released into the air, carried by the winds, uh, but it's also carried by, by bees, by, by butterflies, by, by different wildlife, including the dog that just had, you know, a good run in, in, in Regent's Park. And so the dog's hair probably brought back a lot of like microbes that it was giving, it was stuffing her up and, and all that. And, and as, you know, as I went in there, I go like, okay, come on, doggo, let's, let's go, you know. Um, you know, I suddenly had a moment. You know, I'm, I'm like that. I'm not sure if you're like that. You know, God speaks to me uh, uh, sometimes, you know, just little moments like that. And uh, God began to speak to me about, about what He did for us on the cross. 
I know some of you are confused. How did he go from the dog to what God did for us on the cross? Just, just, just hang in there. Turn to your neighbor and say, just hold on, hold on, okay? Hold on, okay? I suddenly had this revelation as, as I was meditating on, on spring and, 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 and pollinization and the dog. I suddenly go like, wow, God, I get it now. This, this is like what you did for us on the cross. You see, when, when, when Jesus died for us on the cross, He died for our sins, our mistakes. And then He rose again because we celebrated Easter not too long ago. A couple of weekends ago, we celebrated Easter. We celebrated the fact that Jesus rose again. And, and, and after that, Jesus tells His disciples to go and tell the world of this good news. That there's a God who loves them very much. Who loves them so much that He would die for their sins. And not only die for their sins, die so that their sins can be covered, forgiven and forgotten. And then He rose again from the grave to say that not only are your sins forgiven, even death has been conquered in His name. And now we are no longer you know, fearful of death. Oh, what happens after we die? No, no, no. Now that we know Jesus conquered death, we know that death is no longer a full stop. It's just a comma. It's just another entryway for us to see Jesus face to face this time. And so even in the death, burial, and resurrection of, of Jesus, He managed to turn something ugly, something scary called death and sin, and He turned it into something beautiful. That is the gospel story. We serve a God who turned things around. And, and, and the Lord began to speak to me, you know, and, and, I, and I was so excited that I wrote it down and I hope you guys catch the, the, the beauty of this. You know, I felt God says that, that, that He's in the business of turning things around. And Easter is about the obedience from a tree on the skull, because another name for where Jesus was crucified is called Golgotha. Golgotha means skull, Right? God overturned it. It was, a, it was a cross, kind of like a tree-shaped cross, a, a symbol of capital punishment and execution and death on a place called the skull. But our Lord's obedience in that place, God was able to turn such an ugly situation around. If you're looking for a place, you know, recently some people asked me, Pastor, you know, is, is that a good area? Is Whitechapel a good area? Is Stratford a good area? Is Old Street a safe area? You know, uh, you know is Camden safe, you know? And, 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 and now I guarantee you, if you're living in London and if there is a place called The Skull, you're not going to be moving there. Even if you tell your parents, Hey, Mom, I got a very good deal. The place is called The Skull. Your parents will be, I don't care, I'll pay you more, you know, to, 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 to go to some place, you know, call, I don't know, uh, um, 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 Greenwich or something, you know, <laughs> something sounds green and positive, you know, don't go to the skull, but, but God is able to turn that around. And using something that was ugly and fearful, He overturned the disobedience that stemmed from a tree in Eden. Do you see how God is able to turn things around? He took something beautiful. God originally gave us something beautiful called Eden. But we disobeyed Him at the tree. And then came sin and death. And now Jesus went to the place called the skull. And in, and, and in obedience went to the tree. And then now comes salvation. Do you see this beautiful thing? 
You know, and, 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 and from that moment onwards, I wrote here, the spring of salvation has been spreading. Friends, the spring of salvation is more beautiful than the cherry blossoms of Japan. And, 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 and then you know what happens when spring comes about? I wrote here, sinners, the poor, the sick, the lowly are now used by God to pollinize the good news to all living creatures. Just like how God uses, how does God use uh, 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 lowly creatures? You know, do, do you realize that, that, that the pollinization doesn't, it's not glorious creatures. It's not the elephant that pollinizes, it's, it's the bee. Some of you are scared of the bee. You'd be like, ew, bee, get away. Do you know what other creatures that the law uses to pollinize through nature? Bats. Bats. We were just having this conversation the other day with some church members. We said that bats in this country is a protected species. If you find a bat living in your attic, you can't kill it. You will be fine if you kill the bat. You're going to ask wildlife to come and catch the bat and release it to the wild because the bat, the bat, that only comes out at night, the bat. You know, Google a picture of a bat. It, it, it's not, it doesn't look anything like Batman or Bruce Wayne. It, you know, it's ugly, you know, it's a flat nose. It's like, you know, and God uses that. Bat, when you think of bat, you think Halloween, you think evil, darkness, but God uses the bat to pollinize and to spread spring. And so God uses do you see that? God uses the butterfly. God uses my dog, another lowly, evil creature. You know, like... And, 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 and I begin to go like, wow, God, just like how... You see, nature reflects the Creator. And God is saying that the spring of salvation has been done. And this is a not, it's not a spring that will eventually lead to an to, to a autumn and a winter. No, no, this is spring forevermore. Jesus says, I come to give you life and life to the full, eternal life. And this is a spring that is more beautiful than any imagery of spring. This is more beautiful than, than, than the flowers in all of Europe put together. This is more beautiful than all the cherry blossoms put together. This is more beautiful than anything. This is the spring of resurrection. And then God is saying that now, just spread it. Just spread it. I don't care if you think you're a sinner, I can use you. I don't care if you think that you've messed up, I can use you. I don't care if you think that you're poor. I don't care if society rejects you. I can use you to be an instrument of the good news. And, and I begin to think of like, wow. You know, the, 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 the thing about, about preaching and sharing the gospel, sometimes we think that I'm not good enough. No, no, no. The good is in the good news. It's not us. And, and just like how pollens are spread, it's, it's, the power is not in the bat. The power is in the pollen. The power is not in the bee, the power is in the pollen. And so potent is the pollen that even bees and butterflies and even shaggy dogs and even, even whatever, even the wind can carry it and cause it to birth more life. In the same way, God is saying that I'm looking for volunteers who can do that with the gospel. And you might think that I'm not good enough and God is saying that it's not about you, it's the good news that has the power. And so powerful is the good news that all you need to do is shine a little bit of light. All you need to do is show up. All you need to do is go and start a conversation and just let the good news spread. I wrote here that God not only saved us, He gave us a home and He gave us a purpose. 
That's what Christianity is. He gave us a purpose. So God wants to use us. Our help is not needed because it was Him who died on the cross. It was Him who orchestrated. Our help is not needed, but our help is wanted. And that's the title of my message today. It's called Help Wanted. Help Wanted. Turn to your neighbor and say, God loves you and God wants you. See, the beautiful thing about Christianity is this, that God, the omnipotent God, who doesn't need anything, wants us. And do you know that technically God also doesn't need our help for the gospel to spread? But He wants to involve us. And so today, I want us to come back to that place again, remembering our purpose. You know, why did Jesus die on the cross? So that not only can we be reunited with Him, so that He can give us a purpose and so that we can live this life, not lost, live this life, not a victim of situations, but live this life fulfilling the purpose of spreading the good news that God loves everyone and God has made a way out for everyone and God wants to rescue everyone and, 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 and we just need to pollinate that. Amen? You know, and the problem is that sometimes when we think about all these things, uh, you know, we, we, we still come up with our excuses. Even though we know that God is so amazing, He doesn't need us, but He wants us, and, 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 and spreading the good news is, is just as poetic as the animal spreading the pollen and good news of spring. You know, God, use me. I want to pollinate my marketplace. I want to pollinate my offices. I want to pollinate my, my classrooms, my, my house, my family. God, I want the good news of Jesus Christ to spread and let people react to the good news. And despite the beauty of all that, because we are fallen creatures, many times we cannot help but still go like, that sounds really good. But uh, I, I don't think that's for me. And we fixate on three things. And these are three things I want us to uh, tackle today. We fixate on the problems. No, no, you don't understand. You know, uh, uh, I have a problem. I, I have no pollen, no pastor, very nice, very poetic, no pollen, no spring of salvation. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, but you don't understand, pastor. I have a problem. I have a problem. You know, I, I have a problem called I'm shy. I have a problem called I don't have friends. I have a problem called I'm introvert. I have a problem called I'm too busy. I have a problem called horrible boss. Doesn't give me time off to go to church or, you know, to, to pollinate or whatever. You know, I don't, I, don't, I don't have problems, 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 problems. The other thing that we fixate on is comfort. Oh, God. Oh, okay. Wow, wow. Go, go. Um, but, um, God, thank you uh, for giving me this assignment, for giving me this purpose. Uh, but, God, can you make it comfortable? Because, you know, um, to be honest, you know, the certain things I'm not very comfortable doing. You know, we, we, we get fixated with our comfort. Or worse, maybe you're like this, you, you get fixated with the details. You know, you're a detailed person. You know, you come to church and you go like, you know, pastor, every week you're just painting broad stroke pictures. Oh, how beautiful, how beautiful. Give me the details, give me the details. You know, what, what does it look like? What kind of training do I need to do? You know, but give me the details so that I don't, I don't accidentally share the wrong gospel. I need details and then because I don't have the details, you, you just delay. Ooh, how many are like that? <laughs> you know, you go like, oh God, give me the details. Until then, you just vegetate, you just delay. And, and when we are fixated 
with the problem, we're fixated with comfort, we're fixated with the details, and yet these are three things that, first of all, if any of you uh, uh, struggle with this, I want you to know that you are not alone. And I'm not here to knock you, I'm just, I'm just stating a very human condition. But I want you to know the good news is that Jesus also confronted these issues. But He did it in a very empowering way. And today I want all of us here to leave this place empowered by God, empowered by the Holy Spirit, empowered by the promises of Jesus. And so if you have a Bible, would you turn with me to John chapter 21, verse 14 to 25. John 21, 14 to 25. And we're going to read. Is that okay? Yeah. Amen. Uh, before we read, would, and as you turn there, would you just allow me to pray for the scripture we're about to read? God, we just want to commit the reading of your word into your hands. Lord, help us right now to just come alive, come alert, and help us to understand what we're about to read. Let every letter, every verse, every word jump out of the pages of the Bibles so we're reading it from and help us understand it. Lord, help it to transform us from the inside out. Not just give us more information, but transformation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. John chapter 21, verse 14 says this, this is now the third time Jesus showed Himself to His disciples. How many are glad that we serve a God who doesn't just give us one chance? How many are glad that God gave you a second chance? How many are glad that God gave you a third chance? How many are glad that God gave you a chance every single day? Amen? And so this is God merely having, you know, the third time showing up to His disciples after He was raised from the dead. And even after Jesus was raised from the dead, His disciples were still struggling to get it. How many of you have been there before that God is moving in your life, but you're still struggling to get it? Good news, friends. God never rules you out. God never writes you off. Amen? And so when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. Verse 17, he said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? Let's pause here for a little bit. You know, for those of us who you've been following us from, from Easter, you will know why Peter would have felt a little bit awkward. Because those of us who know and familiar with the, with the, with the story of Jesus know that on the night Jesus was facing his trial and, and awaiting his execution, as Peter, who was like his, his uh, you know, uh, one of his closest disciples, uh, someone that was kind of like positioning himself to be the leader of the Jesus gang, you know, kind of like trying to, you know, maybe position himself as like a second in charge, uh, told Jesus, I will never, I will never leave you. And yet Jesus says, hey, hey, brave words, but, but to be honest, before the rooster crows, uh, you're going to deny me three times. And then Peter said, this is my paraphrase, no! No, in fact, in fact, if anybody tries to take you away, I will cut them. And he did, but 
Jesus wasn't pleased with that and go like, put away your knife, Peter. You're embarrassing me. No, he's you know, he, and, and so you talk about Peter, this, this guy was like, no, no, I'm, you know, he's just like macho. He's like, I'm going to, you know, man of action. I'm going to prove to the world. And yet, what Jesus said completely came true when he was questioned, hey, are you, are you a follower of Jesus? No, 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 I don't know what you're talking about. And, and, and even when people say, hey, no, no, I, I think I've seen you with Jesus. Just, no, 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 get away, get away. And by the third time, he started using cuss words. He started cursing people, go like, boop, 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 get away, boop, I don't know this, boop, it's a boop. And then when he realized, oh gosh, I just did the very thing that I told God I would not do. How many of you been there before? You go like, God, I want to be used by you. God, every time I come to Sunday, I feel inspired. But God, my life is a consistent pattern of promising you to say that these things I will not do. And yet I always fall into temptation. And so when Jesus was asking him a third time, it felt to Peter like it was a personal attack. It felt to Peter like Jesus was hinting at the problem. Because all Peter could think of was the problem. Oh, three times. Oh, the problem. He's reminding me of the problem. Friends, I want you to know that God's not in the business of reminding you of the problem. He's not that kind of God. And, 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 and even though Peter felt at that moment like Jesus was bringing up the problem, in fact, you will see that nowhere in any of the four Gospels did Jesus ever address about that night. The words, that night, never came out of Jesus' mouth. Hey, Peter, you know, the other night, you know, Thursday night, you know, the other night, never. And, and, and sometimes in life as Christians, we, we have this voice, oh, I know what you did that night. I know what you did last night. Friends, you ever face that? That is not the voice of the Holy Spirit. That's the voice of the condemnation. That's the voice of your flesh that condemns you. That's the voice of maybe even the devil that wants to tempt you. But it is not the voice of God. This is how Jesus replied. Let's, let's continue reading on. And he said to him, maybe a little bit scared now, Maybe now he was a little bit nervous. Oh no, you know, previously I got in trouble. I said I will never, but then I did it. Is, 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 is Jesus trying to give me a way out? And yet, he gave Jesus a, you know, I think he tried to give Jesus a safe answer. Uh, instead of saying directly, he said, uh, Lord, you, you know all things, okay? You know all things. You know, let, let me just give myself a wiggle room, you know? You know all things. So even if I mess up, you know all things. You already know. You know all things. You know that I love you. And what did Jesus say? Oh, good. I just had to ask you, Peter, three times because you know the other night, you denied me three times. No, no, no. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, feed my sheep. That was it. and, 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 And what I want us to catch is this, point number one. Don't focus on the problem. Focus on the person. And the person... His name is Jesus. How did Jesus help Peter overcome his problem? He says, do you love me? Do you love me? It's not, have you overcome the issue? No, do you love me? Have you repented? No, do you love me? Do you feel bad now? Have you loved me? Do you love me? 
Jesus is trying to tell us that, hey, we spend way too much time focusing on the problem when we need to be focusing on the person and his name is Jesus. And a lot of us here, God wants to use us. And God is using nature to communicate to us that if I can use the lowly things of this earth to bring about such great beauty, I can use anyone. And yet we say that despite that, God, you don't understand. I got a problem called addiction. I got a problem called tidiness. I got a problem called, I don't know, you know, a poverty. I have a problem called joblessness. I have a problem. I have a problem. You know, I'm a problem person. I have personal problems. I have mental health problems. Problem, 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 problem. And Jesus says, no, focusing too much on the problem. Focus on me. Focus on me. Friends, if you are struggling with a problem, do you know how God will help you overcome? Focus on Him. Focus on Him. Don't focus on like, oh no, oops, you know, as Britney Spears, the great theologian says, oops, I did it again. Don't focus on that. Don't go like, oops, I did it again. No, 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 focus on Jesus. Yes, I did it again. But Lord, I still love you. I'm weak, but I still love you. I'm pathetic, but I still love you. God, I fail again, but sincerely, I still love you. And God is saying that the way to pick yourself up again is not with your own strength, but it's by focusing on your love for Him and how much He loves you. And when you can focus in on that, He can heal you. Because the truth is this, we spend way too much time self-diagnosing. If I were to ask you right now, what was Peter's problem, what would you say? Uh, I think he has a problem with uh, consistency. Maybe, but that's just a symptom. Uh, I think he has a problem with uh, shooting out his mouth. That's just a symptom. That's a symptom of the problem. See, some of us here, we think our problem is the problem. No, our problem is just a symptom. And even when you can take care of the symptom, you're not getting rid of the problem. But when you fix your eyes on the person, the problem gets resolved. The problem that Peter struggled with is fear. Fear. Don't take my word for it. If you go back and study the Bible, fear. Fear of being associated with Jesus. No, I'm not with him. Boop. Fear of the storms. Hey, Jesus, if it's really you, uh, ask me to come and walk on the Sea of Galilee. And then after taking a few steps, he's the first person besides Jesus to walk on water. And then he saw the storm. He saw the waves and he got afraid and he started to sink. It was fear. And if you read on in the later parts of the New Testament, there came another apostle called Paul, you know, who just had to rub it into Peter's face and go like, you know, Peter, you, sh you, sh you shouldn't, you know, what you're doing is not right. You know, on one hand, you have no problem with the Gentiles, but then you will not eat with them if there are other Jewish people around. No, 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 you, you cannot. That's, that's, that's prejudice, that's, that's racism. That's... And it was fear. Even when he became the Peter, this is that they had preached the tree, uh, the, the message that, that saved 3,000, he, be, he became the Peter that, 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 that unleashed the Holy Spirit that was used by God to, to, to usher in the Holy Spirit into Cornelius and Cornelius' family, the, the first Gentile family to, to receive the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, fear was still in his life. 
And so, friends, if you ever think, I need to get rid of my problem first before God can use me, that's not how God works. God can use you despite your problems. And it is in the loving of Jesus that eventually the problem gets resolved. And, and in fact, Jesus hinted this. Jesus didn't even tell Peter what the problem was because the truth is we can't even handle our problems. Just even if we know what was the root cause, doesn't mean that we can solve it. But you can see in the next phrase that Jesus hinted that, you know what, Peter? I know you're afraid, <laughs> but you're going to overcome. And in a very cryptic way, he, he said that. He says, most assuredly, not just I think it's going to happen, he says, most assuredly. How many would love it if Jesus answered your prayers starting with most assuredly? Jesus, will I ever get married? Most assuredly. Right, some of you are laughing, but what if you say most assuredly? No. Oh, anyway, so most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death he will glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Again, me. It's Jesus. And so, in case you didn't understand that, Jesus is saying that, hey, when you were young, you did as you pleased. You were guided by emotions. When you saw something scary, you ran. But one day, if you keep loving me, if you keep following me, one day, most assuredly I say to you, one day, you're going to look death in the eye and smile. Because one day, knowing full well that you're going to be executed, because it says that this is a type of death, you will gladly give your hands and say that, gird me, take me, roll me out to execution aisle. I'm not afraid anymore. You see this beautiful thing. And Jesus is saying that the freedom, the solution to the problem that you're wrestling with that you don't even know that that's what you're wrestling with, I will set you free from that. I will heal you from that. I promise you most assuredly in this lifetime it will happen. Some of you here, you're saying that, God, I want to do great things for you, but I'm addicted to this and, and I've got other life-controlling issues. God, will, 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 will I just be found out? Will I ever be used? Will you disqualify me or should I just disqualify myself? But Jesus says, no, just love me. Don't disqualify yourself, just love me. I'm not going to disqualify, just love me. Just love me. And I, surely I say to you, whatever you're struggling with, you think that addiction is the issue? No, no, there's a deeper root issue. If I tell you, you won't even believe it, but just follow me. And I guarantee you that in the pursuit of me, in the focusing of the person, the problem will get resolved. Amen? Point number two is this. Don't focus on comfort. Focus on character. Character. Let me be the first to tell you, Serving Jesus, living for Jesus, is gonna get uncomfortable. But the truth is, nothing awesome ever came out of comfort. I mean, look at every great thing. Look at the first person, Sir Emma Hillary, to, 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 to scale, uh, you know, 
how about what, what, what's the place? Himalayas. Uh, Everest, sorry, sorry. I was about to say, I don't know why my brain went Erskine. What's, what's Erskine? Anyway, uh, <laughs> Mount Erskine, where's that? Anyway, uh, it could be a place in Penang, I think. Uh, <laughs> Everest, Everest. Mount Everest. Do you think it was comfortable? No. I mean, look, look at the, the first person who stepped foot on the moon. Do you think it was comfortable? No. The amount of G-force they had to go through, the amount of training the Australians had to go through, the amount of, you know, just, just taking that first leap. Friends, comfort is overrated. And if you want to be fixated with comfort, God can't use you. And I don't want here that God loves you. He does. He doesn't want to kill you or destroy you. But God is more committed to your character than He is to your comfort. God is not about robbing you of comfort. He's about building your character. And you can see this. You know, why did Jesus say the thing he said to Peter? Oh, you, you know, you're going to, you know, when you're old, you're going to just be bound up and stuff like that. You know, he didn't say, hey, follow me. It's going to be comfortable. You're going to be famous. People are going to be preached about you. No, 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 no. He says that, yeah, it's going to be uncomfortable. But then it was about character. Jesus was about the way Peter was going to glorify God. God wants you to glorify Him. God wants to help you to glorify Him. But in order to glorify Him, you need to leave comfort. And everything in Christianity that God asks us to do, is, is, it's not even about the thing, it's about character. You know, why do we give? Is, is it really about the money? No. We don't church, it's not about taking money from you, depriving money from you. It's not about the money, it's about character. What happens when you give to the Lord? Your character grows. You become a person who's not controlled by money. But a person who is like, God, I trust in you. Whether my bank account is zero, or my bank account has lots of zeros, as in good zeros, and lots of zeros, lots of digits, you're worthy to be praised. Because it's character. It's character. You know, some people ask me, you know, I know, oh, pastor, you know, uh, uh, why is our church so old-fashioned? You know, why, 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 why must the worship team, you know, dress in suits and, you know, I, you know, I don't even wear socks to go to class, you know, what, what, you know, it's just, just, you know, it's just a struggle, it's just a struggle. Friends, it's not about the suit. It's about character. When we ask the team to dress up, it's not because God has a preference to suits. No. It's about us saying that, you know what, I want to be a person that dresses up for my Jesus. If, if I go out on a date, I'm going to dress up. And in case you're going out on a date with a person who doesn't dress up, think about who you're dating. But if we want to impress, if you truly want to show a person, if we want to show a person that, hey, you are important, you are of value in my life, your best friend's birthday, you don't show up in, in, in shorts and slippers. No, no, no. You, you show up dressed. Dressed up. Dressed up so you look good in pictures. You know? When your friend gets married, you dress up. Because in the dressing up, you're celebrating with your friend. See, it's not about the dressing. It's about character. It's about value. 
and, and, and God wants to use you. God wants to use you to pollinate the world with the good news of His salvation. But it does require you to step out of your comfort zone. It does require you to step out of some things that you are just too in love with. That's another word for comfort zone. And it's not about punishing you. It's to build your character. Amen? You know, it's, it's so that you can become somebody that, that, that he can trust. The, the, the thing is this, that we always say in church, you know, those that God can give through, we believe that God can also give to. In other words, if you show yourself to be responsible with whatever resources that God has given you, you're always giving selflessly and sacrificially to build God's kingdom, I can guarantee you that God will not hesitate to add to your life. Because He's saying that that's a guy I can trust. That's a guy who will sacrifice his own comfort so that the kingdom of God can be glorified. You know, I, I'm, I'm never going to let that guy suffer. I'm not going to let that guy, you know, perish. I, I'm going to add on to that guy. And so a lot of us, we go like, God, I, I, I want you to use me, but make it comfortable. I used to be like this. I still remember when I first, you know, became an on-fire Christian and I would attend conferences and sometimes no, you know, conferences, they'll, they'll give, uh, you know, a calling to go like, you know, I, no, I feel that God is challenging people here to, to serve Him full-time. And I used to be so afraid. I felt, you know, God calling me. I still remember the first time. You know, I was I think a church in Penang, and then I think I was like 17 years old. And God, you know, used the speaker to say, there are some people here, you're young, but God is already marking you, set aside for his kingdom. How many of you would like to respond? I knew it in my heart that that was me, but my hand did not want to go up. Because at that time, I was hearing, because this no speaker, before he gave that call, he was also sharing about, you know, I used to be this rich person, but when God called me into full-time ministry, I gave up my Volvo, I gave up my, 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 my expensive job, you know, I gave up my job as a banker, I gave up my Volvo, I gave up my, my mansion to be a missionary to the Philippines. And all I could think of at that time is that I don't want to give up my Volvo. I mean, I don't have a Volvo yet, but if I get one, I don't want to give it up. You know, if I ever have a million bucks, I don't want to give it up. I mean, no, God, I love you, but I don't want to... Ooh, you've been there before? God, I love you. I know what I ought to do, but I don't want to. I don't want to make things uncomfortable between me and my friend, between me and my housemate, between me and my boss. I don't want to make things weird. I don't want to make things cringy. You know, we, I have a good ecosystem at work right now. I have my personal faith. They have their personal belief. God, don't ask me to talk about you because it's going to get uncomfortable. Do you think God's really about making your office uncomfortable or is He after your character? And so right at that moment, we're like, oh, I don't want, I don't want, I don't want. Guess what I'm doing right now? And even after I responded to God, I remember one time, you know, God says that some of you here, God's going to use you to share the gospel to the other nations. And I was like, oh, God, okay. I really feel you calling me to do this. Why, God? Why, 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 why? I just want to be a normal, successful Christian. Why can't I just be a rich Christian? <laughs> you know, rich Christian, you know, have a wife, 2.5 kids, you know, like, like just, you know, just like, and just, 
And then even as I tried to bargain, 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 bargain with God, I said, okay, God, I'll serve you, but, but God, I have a caveat. There are some countries I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And because I don't want you to think worse of me, I shall not name those countries. But, <laughs> but at that moment, I named those countries. But after a while, you know, God challenged me and go like, it, do you really just want to be rich? Do you really just want to be comfortable? Is that all that you're after? Is that all that I'm worth? And then bit by bit, God began to change me and change me and change me and change me. And so friends, if you're at a place and God's speaking, God's challenging you, and it feels really uncomfortable, good, that's God speaking. If you ever want to go like, I wonder if that's God, it will always cause you to be afraid and uncomfortable. What? I thought you're supposed to feel the peace of God. Look, look at the Bible. Every time an angel spoke, every time God spoke, people were afraid. The first response was like, ah! And God, through His angels, had to go like, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. It is I. Don't be afraid. It is me. Don't be afraid. Every time God challenges us, it moves us. It challenges us to go above and beyond. That's why we're afraid. We're afraid that we'll fail. We're afraid that we can't live up to what God is asking us to do. We're afraid to leave our comfort zone. And yet, God is after character. So don't focus, friends, on the comfort, but focus on the character that God wants to make you into. Amen? If you want to allow one more kind of like poetic brushstroke, if God is the author, then He's writing a beautiful story. And in that story, He's looking for characters. Do you get that? He's looking to populate his beautiful story with characters. Not villains, characters. Not mere mentions, characters. And if you begin to allow God to work on your character, you become a character in God's story. Point number three. Don't focus on the details. Focus on the direction. Some of us here, God, okay, fine. You've convinced me. You know, you always win. No point fighting you. Fine. But God, know the way you created me. I'm a very detail-oriented person. I like my charts. I like my plans. I like my Excel sheets. I'm not a faith. I'm not a step-out-of-the-boat person. I need details. And we get stuck at the details. But God is saying that, no, you don't need details. You think you need the details. Don't worry, I will give you the details but you need to follow the direction first. Let, let's, let's look at the scripture. I don't think I finished reading but let's continue reading. Then Peter turning around saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, right? Going like, hey, he, he, asked, he asked me, okay? He asked me to follow what, what are you following? And, and was almost kind of like, you know, and, and in a while you know who this disciple was, alright? This disciple whom Jesus loved, following. This same disciple was also the one who leaned on his chest at the Last Supper and said, Lord, who is the one who will betray you? Peter, seeing him, this guy who goes around saying, that I'm, oh, who am I? <laughs> I'm, I'm just the one that he loves. God, what about him? 
does he really need to come along? How about him? What about this man? <laughs> Jesus said to him, If I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Then this saying went out among the brethren that this disciple would not die. See, he just had to put it in. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die. So he was, he was a very good man. You know, as much as we make fun of him, he was, you know, John's, okay, I gave, the, I gave the twist away. It's John, okay? It's the, it's the guy who wrote the, this gospel, John, okay? So he clarified, no, 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 no. The Lord didn't say that I will not die. He just says that if, I will. If that's what I wish to do, what is that to you? If that he remain till I come, what is that to you? This is disciple who testifies of these things and wrote these things. And we know that his testimony is true. He's saying that, and that is me. <laughs> and there also, and, and there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Amen. What, what a beautiful end there. But Peter asked Jesus a question about details. What about this guy? And what was Jesus' answer? Follow me. God didn't give him details. God gave him a direction. Some of us, we go like we're praying. God, I know, I, I know I'm a Christian. I know that, 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 that I want to be used by you. But, but to be honest, God, it, this is actually what's frustrating me. This is actually what's paralyzing me. I do want to be used by you, but, but now I, I don't know what job to take. I don't know, should I apply for a job here? Should I apply for a job in another country? I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. God, give me more details. And we pray and say, God, you know, and, and, and we try to set up different ways for God to give us some details. God, I, okay, I've got five job offers coming, fine, God. I will go for all five of them, and whichever one that is the first to call me back, that is the one you, you know, you're, you see how dangerous that is? You are, 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 are detailing details that God never agreed to. And, and you are kind of like trying to force God to, to move in a way that will, because you are a detailed person, so you are craving for details and God's not operating in a way that is detailed. And so you're creating details that you just want God to co-sign. And, and that's a dangerous place. Instead, Jesus gives us a remedy here. Just follow Him. Peter was curious about John, the details about his life, the details about his ministry, will his ministry be tattered to his, etc. And Jesus simply said, follow me. In other words, Christ is the direction. So let me hopefully make life simpler for you. Pastor, what job should I take? Follow him. Follow him, but I've been praying and not hearing him. No, 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 no. Follow him. Will this job lead you to live more for Christ or lead you away from Christ? Oh, but, but, but Pastor, you know, this job pays really well. You know, if, if, if I take this job, I can, I can upgrade, you know, no matter if my landlord raises the rent, I can, I can even buy a house in London and I can send money back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can send money back, you can buy a house in London, but, I, but you see, when Jesus is not in the picture at all. In fact, what might happen is that it might cause you to depend on Jesus less because now you've got money. 
Now you're self-sufficient. But which job will allow you to follow Jesus? And don't get me wrong. I'm not asking all of you to, oh, okay, I get it. This is, this, this is full-time, right? Okay, okay, fine, fine. I'll be a missionary. No, no, this is not about... Do you know that following Jesus is much more exciting than that? Do you know living for Jesus is much more exciting than that? You know, recently, you know, me and Kat, we were blessed to be able to have a short holiday to, to Spain. And, um, and as I was just soaking in the city and soaking in the... The architecture, I, I begin to look at, wow, the, the, the marvel of, you know, the, no, the, how the churches are built and, 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 and stuff like that. And, and then as I begin to read up, because I'm quite a museum person, I begin to read up all this history. Um, he began to say that, yeah, you know, because they wanted to glorify God. So they wanted to build God a great house. So they went to study math. Because you need good math to have good architecture. Because if you get the math wrong, the building will crumble. And so in their pursuit of God, math gets elevated. In their pursuit of God, architecture gets elevated. And when architecture from one building gets elevated, it becomes a game changer for the whole industry. We, we want to take the gospel. Why were the, the, the Spanish fleet at one time known to be one of the most powerful navies in the world? Because they go like, we, we want to take the good news. How do we cross this ocean effectively? We need to look into how we can build better boats, better ships. And so in the pursuit of wanting to bring the gospel to the lost, better ships were built and the naval industry was elevated. Do you understand? Today, we, we, we have print. But do you know even the printing press was invented because Christians in Germany were saying that we need to make the Bible, we need to create more because back then it was handwritten, hand-copied. No, there are more people who need a copy of the Bible. Okay, okay, let's create technology. So they created the printing press. And today, we have printers. In fact, some of you are like, printing? What's that? I don't use paper anymore. But it doesn't change the fact that in the pursuit of God, in following God's direction to glorify Him, to preach the gospel, industries, our life, everything was improved. You see, the invitation of Jesus to go out there and spread the, the good news of salvation and revival is not like we mentioned it's not just for spiritual transformation. It's for societal change. And so what job, coming back to my last point and I'll wrap with this, so what job should I take? God, which job would allow me to best glorify you? Simple as that. Simple as that. And God says that, go for this man. Okay. And then what do I do? Do you just go and wait to get rich? No, go. And, and, and as you're working in that company, if you're studying in that university, just go and go like, God, in this place, I, I'm, I'm just going to do my best to glorify you. I'm going to find a way to serve. I'm going to find a way to love the people around me. I'm just going to shine, 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 shine. And that's going to be the details you need. You know, and God, again, we think that, God, I need a five-year plan from you. I need a three-year plan. God, I've said it before in this church, God will not give you a three-year plan, but He will give you a three-yard plan. 
You just need to walk the first three yards and then He'll give you the next few yards because it's about following Him. You follow Him. Follow, you know, recently, you know, um, I hope I'm not stealing because just in case she wants to share it in her future message, but, but recently, you know, Pastor Kat had an opportunity to, to you know, um, you know, work for, like, an, uh, you know, not, not change companies, but, but go on secondment to another company that has, like, a more prestigious brand name. And uh, initially, she was like, no, I, I don't want. I don't want to go. And the reason why she don't want to go is because right now in this job, I have favor for my boss. I'm making a difference here. And, and this job allows me to grow God's house. If I go, maybe the hours will be longer and I, 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 and I don't want to miss homes and I don't want to miss church and I, I, I don't want to be able to you know, say no to people. I still want to be able to catch up with, with, with the girls in church and, and do life with them. And, and so if this job feels like, because before going for this job, she talked to some colleagues and the colleagues say, oh man, when I went for this secondment, even though the name is nicer, but I, I, I worked until 12 a.m. My marriage suffered. You know, I was in a mess. And Carol was like, whoa, if, if that, you know, if that's what's going to happen, I don't want that. I want to follow Jesus. I don't want to follow money. I don't want to follow a brand name. But recently when she prayed, God says that, go. Go. I have a plan for you. Go. And God doesn't give her the details. And this is the plan. <laughs> You know, on the first day, you know, uh, uh, there's going to be five desks. I want you to take the most left desk. And when you sit down there, open the third drawer, and inside there will be a, you know, a, a pencil. I want you to go and drop the pencil at the pantry, and, and somebody will go like, huh, whose pencil is this, you know? I was just praying the other day, you know, God, if you're there, you know, uh, uh, show me a sign, you know? I, I, you know, if you're really there, I want to see a pink pencil on the pantry floor. Oh, wow, there's a pink pencil there. And that's when, when you hear the person say that, no, cat, I want you to go there and say that because the Lord told me to do so. Shandai. No, it's not like... God just says, go, do this. Go and shine for me. Go and live for me. And we stay in a place until God tells us to go elsewhere. Follow Jesus. Amen? I pray that this will help you. Uh, in, 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 I don't know who this message is for, but I pray that this will help you. I pray that, you know, my hope is that God will use everyone in this room for His kingdom's glory, you know, but too many of us, I feel, were fixated with the problem and God is saying that enough, enough. Jesus' conversation with Peter, they never talked about, even the word denial never came about. The word rooster never came about. Nothing came about. He just says, do you love me? If you love me, take care of my people. Do you love me? If you love me, feed my people. Are you struggling with a problem? I don't know what that problem is. But you know what? It's time to stop focusing on the problem and start focusing on God's people. Get serving. Get rooted. Get connected. You know, just get with God. Is God already challenging you to step out of your comfort zone, to give an amount that you're uncomfortable to give, to serve in the capacity you're uncomfortable to serve in? It's not about wanting to fail you. It's not wanting to deprive you. It's building your character. Because 
God has so much more in store for you. So much more. So much more. And if we can get out of our comfort zone, if we can become more changed by the Lord, the more we can do for Him. And my hope is for everyone in this room to live exciting, vibrant, Christ-centered lives. And lastly, if you're praying to God about the details, or you're just praying to God about anything, maybe a job, maybe a relationship, God, should I continue this relationship? This is what God says, follow Him. Follow Jesus. If this relationship leads you further away from Jesus, that's not the relationship God wants you. If this job leads you further away from Jesus, that's not where He wants you. If, if this job leads you further away from not only Jesus, but God's church, God's people, the people that have been helping you, then that's not. The one doesn't matter if it pays well. doesn't matter if they sponsor your visa. doesn't matter if, you know. Some of us, we struggle. You know, we, we, we I don't know, you, you feel like God gave you an opportunity to come to the UK and you're studying here and you're thinking that, man, if I only can get a job here. And, and we just assume that where you're most blessed, where the money is, where the job is, that's where God wants you to be. No, 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 no. Go where God is. And if you feel it in your heart that God is saying that, go home. That's where I want you to be. And go. Because that's the most important thing. You don't need details. Go and I will bless you. No, just go. And God is consistent. When He told Abraham, leave your father's house and follow me to the place that I will show you. Vague. God's always vague. Because it's not about the details, it's about Him. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray right now, Lord, Lord, we just, Lord, we just want You. Lord, help us to never forget the beauty of what You've done for us. It is not something that can just be forgotten like that. It is beautiful, it is poetic, it is spiritual, it is life-changing. And Lord, not only did you die for us so that our slate can be wiped clean, you gave us a home with you forevermore and your Spirit made a home in us. And now that we are vessels of the Most High God, we are not just meant to carry you around like some sort of artificial intelligence, no. Lord, we're meant to carry you into the world. So God, I pray, Lord, help us not lose sight. Lord, the power is in the good news. Help us to live it, help us to preach it, help us to share it. Lord, use us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. If you've been touched by today's message and would like to invite Jesus into your life, why don't you join me in saying this prayer? Lord Jesus, thank you for paying the ultimate price for my sins by dying on the cross for me. I receive your love and forgiveness and eternal life by faith. Come into my heart and life and be my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Thanks for tuning in today. We hope that you've been blessed by today's message. For more information about Acts, you can check out www.actschurch.uk. God bless.